You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. Well, we are recording. So, uh, I'm so, I'm so excited for you guys to see this. It'll, you'll probably see it by the time this episode comes out, but we have these 300 episode like movie posters and I'm just giggling about. I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah. I mean, it's a little rare. I mean, like 300, the movie came out like 10 years ago, which is about on brand for us because we don't want, we like watch like one movie every 10 years. So it probably came out like 20 years ago. It feels like that. Yeah. But Danny had this idea because it's our 300th episode to just use the the theme of the 300 uh, movie. So wait till you guys see this. And we're going to do some really fun stuff for you guys too. So stay tuned. Everything will be happening in the Facebook group and on the gram. Yep. But in the meantime, we had a question or we had a, a in the meantime, idea. we do also just a quick side note. Our last episode, we talked about our friendship and we had Chris kind of reach out with a voice note to oh. mention something to us. Um, nice. She left a voice note and she said how she stays in touch with two friends she's had over the years is she leaves little voice notes and voice memos. And I was remembering, do you know what we used to do back a lo- uh, I don't know, like two, three years ago was Marco Polo. Uh-huh. And we I went to Marco that. Polo's, which was like videos and you could send little video notes. And what I liked about Marco Polo was you could speed it up. Cause I, I like leaving voice notes, but I hate listening to them uh-huh. <laughs> cause you can't really speed them up. I think on WhatsApp, you can speed them up like two speed. But, um, so she said that was a way because with voice notes, you don't have to spend time on the phone. You get your point across, but also you don't have to sit there typing. So I thought that was a cool little tip. So one way to keep in touch with maybe your friends is just a little voice note. So love that. Yeah. Thought we that do that nice. sometimes, but I always listen to them in the car, like while I'm driving or something. So, or while yes. I'm on a walk. Yeah, for sure. I hate the, this reason why the, one of the things I don't like about Apple is you can't really pause it. Yeah. It just goes to back restart to start at the beginning. <sighs> I know. I had a, um, like health coach, she left me an eight minute one. Did you I was lose like, your spot? How dare you? Yeah, because my phone yeah. after two minutes, the screen shut. So I had to like yeah. keep tapping it. Oh my God, it took like 20 minutes, <laughs> 30 minutes. I know, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing is if like, if it's your client, like I want to be able to leave them as your coach, but then yeah. you just write back to me <laughs> instead of sending voice notes. Exactly. What uh, I see, but actually, Shantae like, uses Voxer and Voxer, you can speed them up. I think you can go four times. Yeah. 
Boxer is good. Oh, I Boxer. wish actually in this, you know, if the Apple can hear me, cause they do, they literally listen to our conversations. <laughs> uh, if they could do transcriptions for voice notes, that would solve everything. Totally. That would be amazing. That would. That um, would but we had uh, someone write in Dr. Emma. She said she's been loving the recent episodes, was wondering if you could do an episode about you and your partner having different money mindsets. Mm. My fiance and I have been together for eight years. We're getting married soon. And while both of our money mindsets have continued to evolve, we still have some differences that we continue to talk about. And I was wondering your thoughts on building a life with a person that has a different money mindset from you. Well, this is a good one. I mean, and this is also in your wheelhouse. I mean, for those of you who don't know, you probably do, but Danny has done a ton of different courses, kind of different challenges, all on money, money mindset, making money, saving money, budgeting, getting out of debt, all sorts of amazing things. So this is definitely in your wheelhouse. It is. And you know, <laughs> money is an interesting topic. And I, I came from the fitness industry and kind of the reason I started to talk about money was I found a lot of, and maybe this was just how I, I, who I was attracting, but I was getting a lot of binge eating clients and my binge eating clients seemed to have a lot of these money issues that were also tied to like relationship and other issues. And so I just found this really interesting correlation with binging, overeating and debt and maybe just the scarcity around food and then the scarcity around money. And I also just had to really dig into my own personal mm. money mindset issues that I didn't realize I had just growing up with a dad that was a compulsive gambler. And it was funny because I was probably in my thirties before I even thought I had any money issues at all. And I think that we have to look back at kind of how we were raised. And so over the years, especially through doing my find the money project, like free course, I would do a lot of um, surveys of people who took it. And my very first time I ever did the challenge, it was free. I didn't have a course to sell. I just kind of did it for fun. And I asked people to take a survey and then about 20 of them, I got on a call, like um, a zoom call and just interviewed them. As I had a lot of questions about how people were raised around money and what they, you know, what they believed about it. And what was so interesting is so much of how we behave with our money is really from childhood. And sometimes, and usually you hear this, maybe you've heard some podcasts is a lot of times somebody in a relationship, one's the spender and one's the saver. And I don't think it's that simplistic, but we generally have tendencies to be a spender or a saver. I think that there are many people who are balanced. I think there's got to be at least a balanced money person in the mix. Um, I think there's extremes, of course, there's the gamblers. I mean, probably, you know, I should actually come up with a framework around this. There's only like the four, four the things. Four I'm sure there's four. Of... There's like the gambler, the spender, the saver, and the balanced one or something like that. Um, but I've seen an interesting thing when you have a spender. Uh, I feel like there's two mindsets for the spender mindset. One is just kind of free for all. They're just kind of like, if I have it, I'm going to spend it. I, you know, I deserve, I deserve it. The other person justifies by saying I earned this. Mm. So they are like, well, I'm going to spend because I worked really hard. And some other spenders don't care if they work hard at all. They're just like, they just, money just goes through their pockets and falls. I don't know, just goes out. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like water. And so anyway, it's, it's really hard for somebody who might be the saver to be living with a spender or vice versa, because they, the spender might be like, you're too uptight. And what are you going to do with all that money? So I, I really think this is, um, a great conversation. And I know Jill, you know, I've, we've talked about your, um, you growing up too. And I think part of even your parents' relationship, they say relationships, like one of the number one causes of divorce is, is financial. And I know that's the case for my parents' divorce. And I feel like it's the case for maybe your, your parents' divorce or mm -hmm. one of them too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, you, I, I think it's oftentimes you have that one person who just feels a little bit more like, what am I going to die with all this money? You know, I want to spend it while I'm here. I want like, you know, I want to spend it on uh, experiences and my friends and my family. And, you know, it's really interesting to think back to your childhood. And I'm trying to think back. I, I was raised primarily by my mom. Um, of course, my dad was in the picture, but my mom was very, she was the oldest of five and she was very responsible. And so when I like everything, every, any money I had, I had to earn always. And there wasn't a lot of talk around, like, we can't afford it. That wasn't a thing. Um, there was not a lot of like, we can't afford it, but I knew that my parents had money. I just also knew it wasn't my money. (laughs) So Mm. I think that was the difference was I was always taught that you had to earn everything that you got. And so while I, you know, grew up in a middle-class family and was, you know, had all my needs taken care of, it was very clear that if I wanted money, it needed to, I needed to do something for it. So, I mean, you know, it was, I think it was very healthy to be honest. Like, I think it was yeah. like, Hey, be responsible. I got my first credit card at 18. And I remember my mom just saying, you know, we want to get your credit card so you can start building your credit and just pay it off every month. And at the time, the idea of going into debt on my credit card was like, is terrifying to me. You know, it was almost like, Oh, I can't do that. You know, it was very much like, I can't do that. Then when I met my ex-husband, he had a very different spending strategy than me. He was very loose with his money. I mean, and he's very generous with the money. Like anyone who knows him is like, he pays for everything all the time, wants to take care of all of his people. But I remember he was just like in a bunch of debt and he of course got out of it and he's, he makes a lot of money and he's really successful, whatever. But I remember just being like, wow, you can just have a revolving balance on your credit card. Like I'd never been, I'd never even considered that. I was like so terrified. Like, I don't know, the IRS is going to come to get, I don't know, whatever story I told. And so after that, I was way more um, loose with the purse strings after that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause he just had abundance mindset. He was, he was more like we can make it back. It was never like a compulsive spending thing. It wasn't spend to spend. It was more just like, I'm going to the top. Like, so like, this is, you know, I want to have the experiences that I want and we're going to make a bunch of money. And, you know, he did and I did and whatever. So it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't feel like they were on like a tight budget. And there was this idea that the more you gave away, the more would come back to you. And this sort of like, and you always talk about this. I love this analogy that you have when you say, if you keep your hand and you have a fist, like a really tight fist, you know, it's nice because you can't lose your money. Let's say you have, what do you say? Like a hundred dollars in your hand mm-hmm. or whatever you're holding it. You can't lose it, but you also can't open your hand to get more. And so there's this idea that money likes to flow and like, and in circles around money mindset, it's not my area of expertise, but you know, that there's this idea that money likes to flow. So it's this idea that we don't just spend to spend, like, you don't go to TJ Maxx and, you know, just blow a couple hundred bucks because you just have this urge. And some people do like have that urge to just buy something. Sometimes you just need that. And I've even had an experience where you just like have that retail therapy. Like I just want to have something. But most of the time it's on, you know, generosity or it's experiences or it's investing in courses or coaches or, you know, other things that are going to eventually give back. And I'm very much, and it's funny because now in my current relationship, um, you know, Keith, he's has a lot tighter budget than I do. And it's not that he doesn't like to spend. He actually does. He'll always, he always is like, I kind of want to get this. Should I get it? And I always say, don't ask me because you know <laughs> that I spend on shit. So, but I also do save. One of the things that I really wish I did earlier was save. I wish I saved earlier and invested earlier. I mm-hmm. think I still had a lot of scarcity around that. I can't, I don't have enough yet. Yeah. I don't have enough to like invest. I wish I started investing when I was much younger. I didn't start until I was probably like, you know, early to mid thirties. Yeah. Doesn't everybody wish they started like yeah. 
but you feel like you don't have enough, you know, you're like, ah, what's, you know, you you feel like you never have enough. So even putting like 50 bucks somewhere every month feels like a lot, you know, out of your, out of your pocket. Well, you know, what's tricky too, even with savings is, you know, I've had many times where I've had a nice, healthy savings account and then something comes up and you use it. And then you're kind of like going, well, that's what savings is for. But then you go back going, man, if I had just kept saving, then I would have so much more now. And so it's, it's a kind of catch 22 with savings. Sometimes investing is nice usually because you really can't access it as much. So it's like, like, you know, you kind of set it and forget it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like though that you brought up um, your old relationship, how you kind of came in. I really think that was kind of a healthy way of being able to earn. I think there's a difference between parents who have money and still make their kids earn it versus parents who have money and the kids feel entitled to it. So like how you said, you realize they had money, but it wasn't yours. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is healthy to know that. I, I've really seen a lot of people with a very entitled mindset of whatever my parents make is mine. It's like, well, I mean, it can be, but if they disappear or something happens, like, what are you going to do? What skills have you made to create that? Um, but then also your ex-husband was a little bit more free in spending. And I think he also had a healthy mindset around it. There's a difference between having an abundance mindset though, and having the knowing the ability to make more and then having an abundance mindset where you're like delusional, like you don't know where it's going to come from next. You know, like that's the thing is like, do you have a plan actually that you're actually generating revenue or are you just like hoping and praying that like you'll win the lottery? Yes. Cause I feel like there's someone very close to me. Who's that person who wants to just buy experiences for people, do all the things, spend all the money. And I'm like, but you are, you're You're eating caviar. caviar, taste on a McDonald's budget and <laughs> you're trying to make everybody happy, but like, you got to take care of yourself. Like you can't take care of everyone else. If you can't take care of yourself. Right. And so it's, <laughs> it's just interesting. So I think abundance mindset, this is tricky. This is actually really tricky because I've seen this in the money space. If you follow different people who talk about manifestation and maybe even read the secret and how people, um, interpret it, they'll say things sometimes like go buy that thing that makes you feel abundant. So go buy that purse, go buy that car when you can't afford it. And maybe like you can't afford it yet. So you're, it will like raise your vibration. And for some people I'm like, yes. And other people I'm like, "Mm, not exactly. So how would you tell the difference? So, you know, I don't know how you tell the difference. Um, I really think you have to know yourself. It comes down to really like knowing yourself. So it's kind of, I like think it's resourcefulness, right? Isn't it resourcefulness? Yeah, like, Hey, definitely. like, you know, if I see my account getting low, I'm like, all right, fuck, I got to go launch something. Or I have to, you know, yeah. like, so I think there's that too, where I don't, you also, if you have a fixed income mentality, right. right or fixed income, like a literal fixed income where you, yeah. there's not an ability to make more. I think entrepreneurs are able to sort of maybe do that because yeah they can get resourceful. Like if they like, literally, if you need to make money this weekend, you can make it, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, it's just like on demand, but you've built something that you can cash in on if you need to, like, if you, you know, the idea that you're not going to be able to pay your bills when you have the resources or you have the Mm -hmm. know-how to bring in extra cash, which is why I loved when you like find a money project, because it really did show people how it got them out of a fixed income, or even if they just had a job, a corporate job, where they get a paycheck, there was all these other ways that they could make money or save money or find money. And I, I think it just, and obviously this is your program, so you can speak to it, but it really reinforced the resourcefulness. 
It was like, Hey, actually you do have options. And I think I'm able to be in abundance when I feel like I have options. If I don't have any options, then yeah, I'm going to keep, you know, my, the purse strings are going to be real tight if I don't have options. But as soon as you start opening up people's, um, you know, uh, view to all the different ways that they can bring abundance into their, into their life and, and get resourceful and make money. It's like, Oh, okay. Yes. I do have the ability to do this. And now I can be a little bit more open or generous or abundant with my spending because I know that I can make it back. And I have, yeah. I have options. I have tools. I think, yeah, resourcefulness is key. I think it really is about knowing yourself too, where I think uh, some people do great under pressure, like putting the pressure on themselves, they perform. Other people get under pressure and they freeze and they yep. clam up. So if you're the kind of person who's like, if I spend this 3000 on the purse, I'm definitely going to go out there and like create a program and make 10K. And there's other people who'd be like... Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And then crawl in a hole. It's like, mm, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. So for me, I really like the idea of rewarding yourself after. So you know what you can afford. So let's say you launch something, you do something, you you make, make some extra money, then take that money and reward yourself. I'm not really a fan of buying the thing ahead of time and like the fake it till you make it. I, mm-hmm. I just think people get into too much trouble that way. Um, I've also really shifted my idea over the years. You know, I, I would listen to Dave Ramsey and I've listened to Danny Johnson and Susie Orman and a lot of different money mentors out there. And everybody's got their own little twist on things. And Dave was really anti-credit card. And my mom was too. And one of the reasons she was was valid because my dad had a gambling addiction and he'd go get a credit card and then get cash advances. And then now she's stuck with his debt. And so my mom was very much like drilling into my head, like you should never have debt. You should never have debt. This hurt me later on because then I didn't have credit. Um, and credit helps with a lot of things. And I also can see the benefit and value, especially when we've been running this e-commerce business where uh, we do lots of ads and credit cards give you lots of points and lots of benefits. And there's a lot of things you could do and earn a lot of free shit if you're using credit cards that you can't just running a debit card. And so I had to get over that mindset of having a credit card is quote bad, or like you even said, even having a revolving debt, that that's bad. I don't necessarily, I don't think so. I do think again, this goes back to knowing yourself. I do think certain people need to be tighter, need to be more restrictive on themselves because they're a little too loose. They think they're rich and they're not. They don't have the kind of money to live the life that they think they could live. They're, they think they're Kardashians and they weren't born in that, you know, area code or zip code. So I think self-awareness is really key, but I do think there are so many things we can do to change our money mindsets, to be open to each other. So she asked specifically about partners. And I think it starts with having conversations, number one. And number two is coming together and deciding what's going to work for you both. So when I was first married, my ex-husband and I had completely separate bank accounts. We didn't I had my money. He had his, I didn't tell him what to do with his. He didn't tell him what to do, I mean, what to do with mine. We kind of just walked into this relationship, not talking about it. It was a couple of years later when we had financial issues. And also he became an entrepreneur that we kind of had to merge and, and get accounts together. And we never had those conversations before. And he was very like, when I first met Nate, he kept a checkbook. Like he would sit at the table, like with a pen and his checkbook balancing it. And I remember just laughing at him because I'm like, who does a checkbook anymore? But he was very meticulous about all his spending and that. And I would just would like swipe a debit card, not pay attention. And when I started to really pay attention and be more mindful, I realized how much I was spending on things that really didn't matter. Things I believed in like experiences and trips and things I wanted to do. I kept 
coming up short and feeling like I was quote broke, even though the more money I made, I never seemed to make a difference. Mm. And I started to look at my habits and my habits were stealing those experiences from me unbeknownst to me. But generally people, the the more you spend, the more you make, the more you spend. It's not really the more you make, the more you save. Uh, I, I can say for probably everyone on here, you're all probably making more than you made in college, but do you have more money in your bank account than you did in college? Likely you're at the same place unless you've done some kind of work for yourself. And so you have to look at habits and money just like eating is like, it's habits. It's like, can you take whatever you get and put a percentage to savings account, to investments, to experiences or whatever you want? Can you regulate yourself? Like you, you're not just going to buffet and eating everything you want. You're like, I'm going to try to eat healthy. I'm going to pick what's good for me. Too many people act like money is a big candy shop and they just eat all of it without any thought to the cavities or they're overweight. And so I think that it's just important to know yourself and create discipline around your finances. And when it comes to partners, I was actually just in San Francisco uh, last month or in June. And one of Jeff's friends asked me a hypothetical question, but it was about him and his wife. And he said, you know, he first said, what if one person spends more than the other and they buy all these things and the other person doesn't want to? And I didn't know if he was talking about himself as a spender. Turns out it was his wife. But I said, what what I really recommended to him was to find someone online uh, and not me. I told him not me because I know them. Uh, someone that you don't know who talks about money mindset. Maybe it's Dave Ramsey. Maybe it's just some other guru and sit down and say, Hey, let's watch this together. Because if it comes from you, I found this in a relationship. You're not the money expert. They're going to feel like you're coming down on them. You're taking away their spending. You're taking away their fun. They're going to kind of push back. So like, this is coming from like, if you're the saver and they're the spender. So it's an interesting thing that they don't respect you in that way. But if they hear it from someone else, even if you say the same thing that the, someone else said, like you can repeat whatever Susie Orman said to them, they're going to be like, whatever. But if you can watch it together and they get the idea themselves implanted because you asked to do this, you're going to have a much better conversation and much more likely to succeed in coming together. So what I would suggest if you're the person who's like, I need to have this conversation with my partner is find someone. It could be me because they don't know me um, unless you're friends with me, um, but maybe listen to a podcast together, watch something and just say, hey, I'm really interested in this. So it could bring up the conversation and you're both hearing the quote idea. Maybe it's the idea that you want them to do like save or invest or something, but they're hearing the idea from someone else that is an expert or that's respected. And I believe they will be much more open to the rest of the conversation if it does not come from you. I love that so much. And I also love the fact that you've talked a little bit about balanced mindset, because I think we always assume that the saver is the better, quote, better mm -hmm. person to be. I was with someone years ago and we dated for like three years. And I remember he was an extreme saver, which, you know, looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was really responsible. We were in our early twenties. The only problem was he would take his entire paycheck. It wasn't a ton, obviously we were like 22 years old at the time take his whole paycheck, put the entire thing in savings and kept $250 out for the month. That was it. 
And I remember being like, so we're not doing anything this month <laughs> again. Like, and obviously we weren't, we didn't have, you know, joint accounts and we didn't really have the tools to have those conversations. But I remember just feeling like we don't do anything or go anywhere because this is literally just enough for groceries. And it like, while it was a responsible thing to put away, there was actually like no nothing to do. And so now I feel like having a balanced money mindset is probably the best where you're willing to put some money away for like fun. Like you, you know, that's part of your, your planning is like, this is going to be our fun fund. And this is going to be what we commit to each month, which I like, and you talk about is like having the money come right out of your check into your savings, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is, instead of getting all the money into your checking account. And then at the end of the month going, what do I have left? And then putting that into savings because there just probably won't be any, there probably won't be that much. But once if it's taken out right away, then you go, oh, cool. I have all the rest of this to play with. And that could look like a trip or it could look like a new, you know, pair of shoes or whatever. But I think balanced is the best. I'm still, I'm still working on mine. I think I tend to, I'm not like in trouble or anything, but I definitely tend to I make a lot and I spend a lot, you know, so I'm sort of in that cycle where I'm really trying to, you know, to see our profit margins increase in the business and my own personal profit margins increase where I can be a little bit more careful with my spending. Um, Cause I tend to be like, cool, we're making more money. Let's spend more. You know, yeah. and I think you do need to grow a business. Obviously you need, we have more payroll and more investments and more software and stuff like that coming out each month. But it's been interesting to see at Jill Fit how, you know, we've increased our revenue 70% over the last year. And we've also increased our, um, you know, our expenses quite a bit as well. So right. we'll sort of see, I mean, overall, I think our profit margin is actually higher uh, percentage wise, but I mean, it's just it's finding that balance is going to take some time. I like that you brought up, it tends to we tend to look at the saver as the better one because it can be completely opposite. I mean, sometimes the saver is the person who people don't want to be around. Like when we go out to lunch or dinner with a bunch of a group of people and the one person who's penny pinching, it's kind of like, do we want to bring them if they're going to be weird about the meal or, um, you know, you have all yeah. this money to do what with, like, you can't take it with you. And it's interesting because my parents, obviously my dad had his gambling addiction. And so there's, they've, there's been a lot of weird money issues. I'm looking at Jeff's parents and they literally have so much money in the bank, but they never buy new cars. They drive old, old cars. They've never updated their house. Their house still looks like it did in probably 1960. Um, they don't go anywhere. And so, you know, he's constantly urging them, like, you guys are retired, go do something like have fun. And I think that sometimes you're just like, when do you get to enjoy your life? Like, what is it for just to see the number go up? And Mm -hmm. I was actually talking to Jill about this yesterday. I have this weird thing with like points, you know, uh, airline points. Like I like to see the number go up and not spend them because I hate it when I spend it and the the number goes down. Um, But there, I think there's something to that is like, you get used to seeing this number go up and up and up and you don't want to see it go, you quote backwards, but your life is your life. And so you do need to find a balance to where you can spend. And maybe it is, you just take a percentage and put it away and you're forced to spend it. Um, When I first started getting kind of really into this, um, my ex-husband and I literally would give ourselves a budget each month. We we only gave ourselves $100, but it was like our quote fun money. So we could do whatever we wanted with it. And it's also like, you could save it, but it was really like, this is your job to spend it. So find something to do with it. $100 obviously could be gone in a second, um, but we were on a really tight budget. We weren't making a lot of money at the time, but you can do things like that. And it's probably imperative if you do have a hard time spending 
to set up an account like that is just for fun. So you don't feel guilty. It's like the guilt-free money. So maybe it's for a trip and you just put money aside so that it's there and it's you don't see it in the big number pots making your head like you don't want to see that number go down. I am really big on having multiple accounts. So I had first opened an Ally bank account. I don't have that one anymore. It's a different bank, but with Ally, you could you can make all these sub accounts. So I would name them. So it would be like business tax account. It would be investment savings. It would be a travel and you know something else. And so each one of them was just a bucket and I knew what percentage I put into each. So then in my brain, I could keep them separate instead of like Jill said, if you have it all in one big account, the thing is, if it's there, you know, you're going to spend it. And then suddenly there's nothing left for those things that you maybe wanted or that you needed to save up for. Yeah. So I think that having multiple accounts and kind of making them out of reach and hard to get to is something that um, is really wise to do. And especially if you're, maybe if you are the spender, having a little bit of discipline and instead of, and I, I do this a lot too, and I also teach people to do this is if you want something like I'm queen of putting stuff in my online shopping cart and then leaving it there or just closing the tab or putting it in Amazon wish list. And then in a week or two weeks, if I want to come back and buy it, then I buy it. So I give myself a buffer time. I don't buy things like on a whim. If I see it in an ad and I actually shared this in a reel, I'll see these ads all the time of things I want. And I will text myself the ad and I literally forget about all of them. I, if I bought all the things that I saw in these ads that I, I mean, I would be spending so much money. So giving yourself, if you are the spender, giving yourself mm. a little uh, buffer of time, maybe it's three days, maybe it's a week and then come back. And I swear my Amazon wish list is so long and 90% of the things I don't really want in there or, or their books. And I went to the library and just took that list of books and started getting them there instead of buying the books. So spenders, your big thing is creating a little bit of a boundary between that impulsivity and buying the thing Mm. for savers. Your thing is to maybe set aside a piece of your money, get it away from the main savings or the big amount and set aside so you can spend it. So you can have fun and you can live and enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Hey y'all, this episode is sponsored and brought to you by Maddle, the inflatable paddle boards. Uh, Maddleboards.com is where you can go. Y'all, there's 30, 30 designs made by artists. I don't know if you've seen other paddle boards, but they're all kind of, I don't know. They're just basic. Nautical looking. Yeah, very nautical looking, yeah. very just like basic looking. These are fun. They're like they're retro. So fun. They're like retro. It reminds me of like the 80s a little bit, you yeah. know, where it has like the, the paint splashes, but like not cheesy. Yes. Yeah. Like the 80s. There's some of them that are kind of like 70s, like a little retro. I don't know. They're super fun. I had, the, I don't know about you, but I literally overthought which board to get. And also <laughs> I was like trying to get Jeff to get one. And then I was like, we have to match and we have to. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a ridiculous. They have a ton of different colors too. So it's like, yeah. and they're a ton of different patterns. And I had the best time picking mine out. And one of the things about them too is they are I don't know if you call it two ply I need to double check but instead of like one layer of it's not plastic but whatever the material is it's their quality that's what I'm trying to say they're They're, double layered so they're they're really sturdy so they're going to last you a long time they also have a two-year warranty and a really good return policy I don't know why you'd want to return it but they're just super easy to get the board try it out Um, their shipping is really fast so if you all have I mean if you have any body of water near you it doesn't have to be an ocean lake lake is great actually a lake is probably way better better. yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a lake you know body of water you can use it pretty much any time of year like paddle boarding you don't have to get in the water so I know uh, I'm really excited because 
we're midsummer right now, but we can be doing this for quite a bit. For sure. No, definitely super grateful to Maddle. If you guys have not checked them out, go ahead to maddleboards.com and use the code, the best life at checkout and get, what's the percentage they get off? 50 bucks. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And these are super affordable, you guys. Like honestly, there's super, super expensive paddle boards, which I don't know why you would need to spend that much. Yeah. Um, and you can honestly, because it's so affordable, you can get them for everyone in your family. Dude. And they come with everything. The pump, the paddle. Yeah. The strap on your ankle, the pin, everything. Yeah, the backpack, it's so great. So, all right, y'all, go check them out. It's funny, um, I love that idea of having the little buffer time because I've done that a little bit too, where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to buy this, whatever, maybe I'm at a store and there's clothes that I want. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to buy this, but if I can't stop thinking about it in a week, I'm, I'm going to come back and get it. And honestly, 99% of the time, I for, totally forget about it. It is really interesting that when you think about that, so much of the stuff that we buy, like sometimes, I don't know, I'll just have an impulse and I'll be like, I just need to buy something and I'll buy it. And then I'll like, forget to even have it. I'm like, what is this? And I'll like take it out of a bag and be like, what is like TJ Maxx or whatever? You know, sometimes you do have that impulse to just like get something, even if it's, it doesn't need to be like, you know, a $2,000 bag or something, but yeah. you just want to buy something. What's, what's that all about? What is that like? I don't know. Does that, I mean, I guess they call it retail therapy, but I don't even know. Like you don't even fucking want it really. Well, you get like a dopamine hit, right? Yeah. It's like social media, you know, it's instant gratification. One of the things I also teach in, in, uh, in, uh, find the money project and in my course too, is taking stuff back. So I am queen. Jeff calls me queen of returns, but I'll buy stuff and I leave the tags on it. And sometimes, like you said, you find it in a bag later and you're like, what is this? And I literally today, uh, I return. And sometimes I buy stuff just because I know I'll return it quite frankly, because I need it for something, or I think I might want it and I'll take it home and see how it feels at home. And then I send it back. And I, you know, what's funny is I always feel like I made money because it goes back onto the card that I used or it goes back. And so suddenly I feel like I'm making money when I'm returning something, but you do get something out of it, right? You do get this dopamine hit. You do mm -hmm. feel really good for a minute. Maybe it's a new outfit. So you feel really good. And then suddenly you're back to wearing the same black stuff you wear every day or the same shitty pajamas you wear every day. I mean, I'm sure we all have closets full of clothes that were cute for the second, or we bought it for like one event and then they wasn't that comfortable. And we go back to the same thing. So we do get a dopamine hit. And so, you know, there's maybe finding ways to get that somewhere else. If you do have the um, tendency to purchase online stuff. I also suggest like unsubscribing to let the sale ads. There's a couple companies that I like to see the ads. And then some I'm like, you know, this is just making me want to buy. I'm going to unsubscribe because when it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And I right. never think about those clothes at all anymore because they're not in my feed. I mean, they're not in my inbox. So I think it's another big tip to just cut back and curb some of your spending could be unsubscribing to stuff. That's a, um, that's a really good tip. Yeah. You'd think you'd do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but back to conversations, you know, it is a big deal. Um, when you have a partner and you have different life goals, maybe one of you wants to buy a house and the other one wants to travel and you can't figure that out. I think the multiple accounts is a great way to kind of have that conversation and mitigate it so that you're both getting what you want. I think sometimes resentment happens when the person spending buys whatever they want because they're like, I have the money, I'm going to buy it. And the person saving is like, uh, you know, you're spending our house money or you're spending our trip money, or maybe they just don't feel like you should. So I think it's important. Part of the balance mm. piece is allowing both people to spend and even 
suggesting that the saver spend some things. Um, doesn't have to be stuff. It could be a small amount, like I said, like the hundred bucks. And the hundred bucks could have gone to coffees. It could be to clothes, whatever it is. But it's just for me to just guilt-free blow money, not cocaine. Um, and then having goals with each other. So maybe, maybe one of, and you know, sometimes we have more expensive hobbies than others. Like my ex-husband liked uh, Volkswagen bug cars. And so like, if he wanted a bug, uh, then I would expect that he doesn't just get a bug and I don't get anything. Cause we start to get resentful. Like you always get your stuff and I don't get mine. So maybe we set up a bug fund and then I set up a, you know, go to Hawaii fund. And then we both put equal amounts and he doesn't get it until that fund is, is filled. And I don't go on the trip until my fund is filled. You have to find ways that you're both getting your needs met and, and your wants, because money isn't just about needs. I, I have a whole module on needs versus wants. It is totally okay to have wants and desires. Uh, we work hard and you do deserve things, but you don't deserve everything and you don't deserve it just because you want it either. Um, but I also, on the flip side, think some people only address their needs and and maybe that's because of how they were raised. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of older, maybe, you know, in the depression, you get your needs met and then that's it. And like, you don't need to be walking around with uh, the soles falling off your shoes, like get some new socks <laughs> or get some new socks and get some new shoes. So it is okay to have desires and have wants. You shouldn't, uh, if you're like the saver and you have a partner who's spending, I think it's important to not shame them for having desires and wanting things but trying to rein it in and say, what is really a priority? And for us as a couple, what is a priority? What do we want to accomplish five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Are we thinking about retirement? Are we thinking about having a baby? Are we thinking about buying a house? Are we thinking about buying a car? And how can we do that together? And I know we've talked about, well, if you make more money than your partner or not, but that might look like you put a percentage into a pot and they put a percentage into a pot and maybe you don't even know what it's for, but you just have a pot and it's sitting there and it's going to grow and grow and grow. And then one day you're going to decide what you're going to spend it on. But I think it is super important that you have that set aside money so that you can reach these goals together. Cause what would suck is 10 years down the line, one of you is spending the other one's like, we still don't have a house and I've been wanting this. And then there's a lot of resentment building. Mm. And now you have the fights and this is where the breakups and the divorces happen because these things weren't expressed. Oh, it's so good. As you were talking, I was thinking about that ex-boyfriend I told you about who just kept 250 for the entire month. And I'm, this is wild to me now, but we didn't really have much money. Both of us were making like, I don't know, $23,000 a year or something. And our rent was super cheap and we didn't go anywhere to do anything. Um, but I remember I would save up for like months to buy like, I don't know, to buy like a new Nike top or something like that. And I remember hiding the bags from him. Like I didn't want him to see. And I think this is really common. I had a girlfriend who used to do this too. I never, and at the time I never thought about it, but I'm like, why was I? First of all, why would he be mad that I was spending? Like we weren't married or anything. And number two, why wasn't I just upfront about my spending? Like I should have just been like, this is who the fuck I am. I make my own money. I'm spending it on this, but you feel, but like, I think that's obviously, you know, it's boyfriend, girlfriend, early twenties. That's a lot different than being like thirties, forties, being married, having like a, a shared vision for your life with the person wanting to, you know, I mean, I don't know if you have kids and you're trying to save for their college or whatever, then yeah, like you need to have that conversation. But I think a lot of people do hide their spending from their spouse because they do have different ways that they show up. Well, this is one of the reasons I think it's important that you do get your own money that you're allowed to blow. So you don't have to ask, what did you spend it on and get mad about how much it costs? So like, I don't think my partner, like I remember being 
married and I didn't want to tell him how much I spent on my hair or how much I spent on Botox or whatever. I remember even lying once because he asked, I think it was my hair. And I told him the amount, but I had of course brought it down. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. And I was like, oh, that was the amount that I lied. Like that's a lower amount than it really was. And he already thought that was expensive. And so one of the ways around that too, is like, if you do have shared, if you do have a shared pot of money is you each get your own spend, spend money, whether it's cash. So nobody has to see what you spend it on, or Mm -hmm. it's your own debit card in a different account. So maybe you guys have a pot of money that goes, everything goes to the middle and then 250 month goes to you, 250 month goes to him or her, and you get to spend what you want to spend. I think it's important that we are able to spend without guilt. One of the things I didn't want to have to explain to him, but I also found myself wanting to judge him sometimes for buying something crazy. Right. So I'm like, Oh, why would you spend money on a Volkswagen car? Like a, I don't know, stuff on your car. Like why would you spend $300 on rims or something? And so we can judge other people what they're spending, but then when they flip it on us, we get pissed. So if you are like that, if you like, if you're judging their spending and they're judging you, you tend to want to lie about it because you are embarrassed. So I think it's important to also have your own money so you can have the guilt-free spending, do what you want with it. You guys both have an amount. You don't have to ask how much my appointments cost and you know, you do your, you do your thing with it, but it's really, really common, especially for women to lie about beauty services. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is like, this is really why I think I am one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about online business, especially I work with mostly women, almost all women. And I'm really passionate about helping these women have these additional revenue streams. So it's obviously so they can contribute to their household and those kind of things, but also feel as though they can have a sense of autonomy in their own life. You know, so I work with a lot of moms and a lot of, you know, women that I worked with, you know, either were stay at home, full-time moms at home, or they were full-time caretakers, or they were, uh, even if they had a job, maybe it was just like, you know, teaching fitness classes or something like that. It wasn't like a huge piece of the pie. And a lot of them have had to rely on their spouse. And of course they have that conversation to where like, Hey, I'm not going to work and you're going to be the one who makes the money and whatever I'm raising three kids. This makes sense. But at some point when the kids are in school, it's like, I have a lot of these women who have this like second career, they, this desire to have not only their own money, but have something that's their own. And it's not that they don't want to rely on their husband or their husband doesn't provide, but they just want something for themselves. You know, even though it's, it, it can be, I mean, it doesn't have to be a ton of money, but it's just like something where they feel like they have a locus of control so they can contribute to the household, but they can also feel a little bit safer or a little bit more justified spending on things that they really want. I think it's hard to, and I mean, I'm not, I'm just projecting because I don't know what it's like, but it would be really hard for me to go to my partner and just say like, Hey, you know, and ask for a handout, you know, ask for, you know, I really want to get my hair dyed and it's going to be this much money, or I want to buy this, or I want to, you know, and I'm sure you have those conversations. So I'm sure it's not as awkward as I'm making it out to be, but I think this is why I love the idea of women building a business, even if it's just for a little bit of extra money, an extra thousand dollars a month, an extra 500 bucks a month. And that's possible with online business. You don't need to do what Danny and I did where you like make it a full on career and like go to the top, but you can just be like, cool, I'm going to help a few people. And the internet allows for that opportunity. You can decide how all in or how not all in you want to go 
but I think that's so nice that you can literally just be like, cool, I'm going to be coaching and I'll coach a couple of clients a month and I'll get a couple of new clients and I bring an extra thousand dollars, 1500 contribute to the household. Maybe that's the money that you're, you take your family on vacation with, or that's the money that you use to get your appointments or do whatever, but it just gives you a sense of autonomy and a sense of locus and control. And it gives you a skill set too, you know, and I hate to say this, but, you know, we definitely know women who went through divorce or went through, um, you know, infidelity or things like that. And they were left with nothing after that because they hadn't worked in 20 years. And so it's fine, but also it's a little bit of a cautionary tale. So at the end of the day, I, that's why I'm so passionate about helping, especially women to be able to have at least, and I know for me, when I left my own marriage, one of my biggest gratitudes was that I was financially independent and, you know, not a lot of people are able to, or they have to stay in the relationship because of the financial situation or because of the kids or whatever. And so I know that for me, that was just a really, it was a source of pride, but it was also like a source of just um, comfort that I had my own money and that I was financially independent. So that's why the internet and internet business, we talk about that so much on this podcast, why that really is a lifeline. And it doesn't have to be this like full on career. It can just literally be like a little thing you do on the side, like a little hobby, a little like impact, little, and that's, and you can go as far as you want or not, but it does give you a little bit of options too, which I love. I am so glad you mentioned the women working and making our own money. It's so hard. I think I'm in the space where I just kind of assume that women are making their own money, but there's so many that don't. And, and it doesn't have to be a hard conversation, but again, this is another piece that's really important to have. Maybe even your partner lost his job or her, her mm-hmm. job, like a partner could lose their job. And so it, there needs to be conversations that are in those scenarios as well, because it does feel uncomfortable. You don't want to ask your partner for an allowance. You don't want to ask your partner to go spend, um, to go spend money. And sometimes it can feel you can feel really guilty about spending on yourself. So actually the conversation I had earlier about the friend who asked me, his wife was the spender. He's also let me know he felt guilty because for a while he was unemployed and she was working. So he didn't want to tell her to cut the spending because he felt like, well, she's Mm. the one earning the money. However, it's still like the group, it's the group money. Right. And so I told him, Hey, I get that. I understand that you feel guilty about that since you're unemployed right now, but also right now her money is both of your money. And so getting controlling of the spending really does matter for both of you. So it is an interesting scenario when one person works and one doesn't, whether it's because of a layoff, whether it's because of an illness, pregnancy, there's so many reasons why one person might not be working. And I think a conversation also to have is back to like having your own money. So, you know, if there's a way that your partner can put some money in your account or give you your quote allowance, so you can spend and do whatever you want guilt-free again, I think it's just so, so important to be able to have your own and having a something that you do that's on your own will help you feel not as guilty, I think. And sometimes one partner makes enough money to take care of all the households. So your money is the fun money. That's how it started with my ex-husband. Mine was like the fun money, the trip money, the fix up the house money. And his money was like the pay the bills money. And that worked for us for a time until it didn't till his job changed. And so I think having your own money, being able to do something online. I used to do network marketing and I would talk a lot about that business model for people who maybe like, I love internet business. I love people who can build a business online. Maybe you have a product, a coaching service, something that you do. 
Um, but not everybody has that skill set. Maybe you don't have something you feel like you can offer. Or maybe you just, you feel like your personality, I don't know. But network marketing is a really easy business model to get into where you can market products or services and get paid commissions on doing it. And I think there's a lot of sleazy network marketers out there. I think it can be done really wrong, but I also think it can be a really great opportunity and um, option for like busy moms or people who feel like they don't have the time to really learn a lot about business. And you get a lot of, I think, kind of on the job training with network marketing, you learn a lot about sales and marketing. And so much of what I learned, and I know a lot of really successful people um, that we know today, you know, people like Tony Robbins and um, Jim Rohn and so many people, if you look back at their timeline, they started out in network marketing. And I think it just teaches you so many great skills. So I'm glad you brought it up. I'm really passionate about women making their own money too. And whether it's their own money to spend on themselves or their family or whatever, but just to be able to earn, it also just builds so much confidence when you know, you can go out there and make a buck and you did it all yourself. You don't feel guilty. You don't feel beholden to someone. You don't feel like you owe anybody anything because it's all on you. And so I think having those skills is really huge. Yeah, no, it for sure is. I love this conversation and I think it's, it's so nuanced and there's so many like different little like corners of the conversation. I would actually love to hear from you guys. Maybe you can pop into the closed Facebook group. If you go to thebestlifepodcast.com and click on the link to join our private community, we have some really great discussions in there and I would love to hear how you guys do it. So I know that we have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs, you have some business owners, some, you know, coaches and things like that. We'd love to know, you know, sort of how you guys handle this. Do you have conversations with your partner? Partners? Do you have, um, you know, do you have things set up a certain way? Like, how do you guys manage it? Um, what seems to work? What maybe doesn't work so well? And tell us if you've also uh, kept your purchases from your partner. <laughs> so we're not, so, so we don't feel so alone. Uh, but this is a great conversation. Thank you so much for asking it. We always appreciate you guys um, slipping into our DMs and uh, giving us some ideas or maybe some things that you would love for us to riff on. We've been getting some great reviews lately. We've been getting a lot of great feedback on the recent episode. Episode. So thank you guys always for your time and attention and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye see guys. Ya. Bye.